morning, church. Great to see you. Welcome. If you're joining us online, welcome to you. So glad you're here today. Um, so, so pleased uh, that you've joined us. Welcome. Hey, we're moving forward. We're moving, everyone say it, forward. One more time, forward. We're going forward. I know this has been a trying time, obviously, for all of us, so many ways, but we are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least the pandemic tunnel, and that's all good news for us, and I hope you're encouraged by that. Today, I want to return to the book of Philippians and listen to the Apostle Paul give us some instruction about how to move forward, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read uh, those verses again, add a verse from last week. 12 to 14. Our custom is to stand to hear God's word, so as you're able, thank you for doing that. And this is the Apostle Paul, now to the church of Philippi and to all of us, of course. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now may God inspire us today, enlighten us, encourage us through his word. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Most of you will recognize the name Luciano Pavarotti. Pavarotti was the maestro, the great tenor who was born in northern Italy, the city of Modena, His mother was a cigar factory worker, and his father was a baker and amateur tenor. Luciano loved to sing, and people loved hearing him. In fact, uh, when he was a boy, his mother said to him, Luciano, your voice touches me whenever you sing. But the question of career was vexing for Luciano. He was uh, coming of age just after World War II, and a musical career was very, very risky. Of course, his mother suggested he become an athletic trainer, And his father encouraged him to continue developing his voice. He said to him, you will have to study very, very hard, Luciano. And he continued his musical studies. He also enrolled in and graduated from a teacher's college. He then asked his father this question. Should I be a teacher or a singer? And his father was wise enough not to answer his question directly. Instead, he spoke words his son never forgot. Let me put those words on the screen for you. He said, Luciano, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. Thank goodness Luciano chose singing. He did indeed. He became one of the most famous operatic singers in the world. He became the king of the high seas as a tenor. His final performance was viewed by the entire world as he sang Nessun Dorma at the 2006 Winter Olympics in Turin. If you have not heard Luciano Pavarotti sing, I suggest you go to YouTube or something like that and just ask to hear him. If after you hear him sing, it does not move you emotionally, then you have officially lost your soul. And so don't, don't panic, it's just gone. And uh, maybe you can reclaim it sometime, <laughs> I don't know. But this is what Pavarotti said, and I'll put this on the screen for you. I want you to get it. He said, I was blessed with a good voice by God. And when he says good voice, he's being modest. (laughs) I think it pleased him that I decided to devote myself to it. 
And now I think whether it's laying bricks, driving a straight nail, writing a book, whatever we choose, we should give ourselves to it. Commitment, that's the key. Choose one chair. I hope that's helpful. Now, like Pavarotti, you also have been blessed by God. You have talents, you have resources, you have a dream for the next phase of your life. And once you've prayed about that dream, we talked about dreams last week, and I hope that you've been thinking about that. Once you've prayed about that dream and set the right priorities to achieve that dream, your next step is to focus your life on the main thing, the one main thing. I want to give you some homework. Here's the homework assignment. I want you to write your own epitaph. What would you have inscribed on your tombstone? What do you want people to remember about you? One primary thing, something that would fit on the inscription on a tombstone. How do you want to be remembered? What is the one message that you would like to leave with anyone who might visit your grave? any time in the future? What is, what is the legacy, the focus of your life that you want people to remember? Write your own epitaph. I challenge you to do it. It'll have to be a short sentence. But if you'll write your epitaph, then you will begin to get in touch with what your passions are, what your interests are, what your worldview is, and that one thing. That mattered most to you. I want you to see a verse in Acts chapter 13. Uh, I went through an exercise, an epitaph exercise years ago, and this is the verse that I chose to place on my own tombstone, if that, if that would be possible. Acts 13, 36 says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors. I just think that's a fantastic verse, and this is what I would put on my epitaph. He served the purpose of God for his generation, and then he fell asleep. You've heard me talk about this statement many times. I mentioned it last week in the message. I had a mentor of mine who said this to me many years ago, and he said, you will do the best with your life if you discern the purposes of God for your generation and then fling yourself into it. Find the purposes of God for your life, your lifetime, your generation, and fling yourself into it. Get, in, get invested in that. And the fact is I can't serve the generation that's already passed. They're gone. I can't serve the generation that's just starting. I probably won't be here to do that. But God has given me and given you, all of us, this little window of opportunity. The Bible says that a person will live to 70 years old, 80 if they have the strength. So you have this little window of time we're all living in. These 60, 70, 80 years, and that's it. That's all the time we have. And, and, so, and so we serve the generation, the moment of time, the window of time that we have, and we do it with as much focus as possible. Now, I want to confess to you that there have been seasons in my life when I was distracted, times when I felt like I was being destroyed, discouraged, disappointed, defeated. But here's what I've learned, that in those times that we seem to lose our way, get distracted, again, get disappointed, discouraged. These are times typically, in my life at least, when I have lost my focus. I've gotten distracted by this or that. I have kind of moved away, just sometimes subtly. 
away from primary, significant investment of my life. And it's those occasions when I have to stop and I have to re-engage in the places and the practices that help me to reconnect with the greater purpose of God for my life. When I say places and practices, I mean those sacred spots, physical spots. Maybe you have this. I hope you do in your life. Maybe it's a special park or a special place in your home or a special chair or or a a special place that you've vacationed, a a place where you retreat, a a place where you know that you have, have special connection with God. Your spiritual life flourishes in that place. So I encourage you, if you find yourself confused in a moment like this, and most people are, distracted by everything going on and kind of losing your place, losing your purpose, find that place and go there. For me, it's sitting in my canoe in the middle of the lake. Early in the morning, just paddle out, nothing but me and the birds. And, And I start to practice there in that place, hearing God. You've heard me talk about this. In order to hear God, you've got to quiet yourself. You've got to get away. You've got to get away from the distraction, away from the noise. Our world is an intensely noisy place. It's a place of enormous distraction. There, there's so much, so, so much bombarding us on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. I mean, we carry phones right now. And if your phone's not on vibrate, what will happen to you is it will ring in about 10 minutes and then everybody's going to look at you. And if you don't get it shut off in the first three rings, then I will stop and I will probably not treat you well. And and so you don't want that. So these kind of distractions happen all the time. Years ago, uh, a phone rang and the woman, it was a new phone. She didn't know how to shut it off. It was hilarious. And it rang, you know, one of those traditional ring, ring ring. I think, come on, answer the phone. Answer the phone. And she couldn't get it shut off. It just, and finally it shut off. And I thought, okay, she got it. And then about 30 seconds later, it started ringing again and rang and rang. And of course, no one's listening to the sermon anymore. And so I just stopped and I walked down where she was and she was very embarrassed. It was the first time she'd been here, uh, first time guest. And it was very embarrassing for her. And I took her phone away from her. And <laughs> It was the last time she came, um, but she was here that one time, and I took the phone, and I answered it, and I said, hello, this is Greg, who's this? And the guy said, this is Randy. I said, where are you, Randy? He said, I'm in Montpelier. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I was just trying to call my friend. I said, you know, your friend's in church, and I'm actually preaching a sermon right now, and if you could give me like 15 minutes to finish, that would really be helpful. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were (laughs) in the middle of a sermon. And so I hanged up and he didn't, he didn't call back until after. And that was nice. And it was, this is, you understand this is not in the notes. I'm just off course right now. Don't count this against my time. And two weeks later, at the end of a service, a man walked up to me and he was, uh, you know, he was dressed in kind of an older suit. It wasn't something he'd worn a lot recently, and, he, and, and so it was kind of curious. And he walked up to me, and he stuck out his hand, and he said, Hi. I said, Hi, my name's Greg. What's your name? He said, he said I'm Randy from Montpelier. <laughs> I said, You are not. He said, Oh, yeah. I said, I had to come and check this out. <laughs> it was hilarious. 
great fun. So you don't want your phone ringing, stuff, but the, there's the, there are these interruptions constantly in our world. And here's the point. If you can't get quiet enough, long enough, then it'll be very difficult for you to hear God. So you want to get to those places and those practices that help you hear what God is saying to you. And when you do that, it'll help you overcome those disappointing, discouraging, defeated times, and you can get refocused so you won't give up. Again, our text, not that I've already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, Paul said, but I press on to hold to, to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me in Christ Jesus. So here, here's the Apostle Paul, this brilliant, world-changing apostle of history, and he's teaching us some very important principles about how to stay focused in your life. Now, let me just give you these four things. They're on your outline, and you might want to write these down. Here's the first thing. Focus on God's purpose. Focus on his purpose. He said in verse 12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Now, now hear this statement. Hear this. Every one of us, every one of us, all of us, have the same God-given purpose. And the primary purpose of God for all of us is to be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. God's plan and purpose for all of us is to become more and more like Jesus. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? He's our model. He's the example. He is the son of God. He, he is the one who, re, who has revealed God to us. So obviously we want to be shaped into the image of Christ. And that is our primary purpose. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I put this on the screen. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So there's the purpose of God for us, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Some of you may know the name John Bray. John was the chapel, dean of the chapel at Indiana Wesleyan University here in Marion, Indiana. Maybe some of you know John. And John was very popular with the student body as the dean of the chapel, and his, he and his wife were very, very influential there. And John uh, received a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, and he had to resign his position at, at IWU. And... This is what he said, and I want you to hear his comments. He said, everybody gets a diagnosis of some kind in their lifetime, and there's no reason I shouldn't. He said, I can't change what's happened to me, so why this has happened, the question why, he said, is not a pivotal question in my life. Now, how I will glorify God in the midst of all of this, that's at the heart of almost every major decision a follower of Christ needs to make. Isn't that remarkable? Here's a guy who's, who's been diagnosed with a very serious disease. He's had to retire his position, which he loved. And speaking of his disability, then John Bray went on to say, even this that I don't like is designed to shape me more like Christ. How many of you know that's a grown-up? That's a mature voice. Do you hear it? That's amazing. Think about this for a moment. As difficult, as painful, as confusing, as grievous, 
as this whole COVID pandemic has been for all of us. Think of it in these terms. What has God been doing in the midst of all of this pain in order to perfect us? What are the possible benefits to all of this? Is it possible? Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I'll put this on the screen. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now stop right there. Seriously? I don't know about you, this, ver this verse annoys me. This is seriously annoying. When I face trials, I go through a list of emotions. Joy is not one of them, typically. But here's, here's the challenge. Here's the admonition. Count it pure joy, just not, you know, kind of joyful, sort of joyful, pure joy. <laughs> Count it pure joy. Why? Whenever you face trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let, have, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So here's another assignment for you. Stop and ask the question, what have I learned about myself in the last year? Eee. And what possible benefit to my life has come as a result? I can tell you one thing that all of us are, are more than we were a year ago. We are more patient. Yes, we are. You say, I'm not patient. Yet you're more. Than, you may not be much, but you're more than you were. You, you may barely move the needle on patience, but, but the needle's starting to flicker a little bit. Because you don't have any choice. We don't have any choice about this, do we? And we just have to wait. We have to ride this out. We have to endure. We have to persevere. And that's exactly what we're doing. And let that perseverance have its effect in producing the quality of the character of Christ in our lives. And so this is God's purpose in our lives, to shape us into the image of Christ. Here's the second thing that Paul teaches, and that is to focus on God's perspective. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, this is, this is critically important. This is a principle of focus, a focused life. In order to be focused, moving forward with focus in your life, you have to forget the past. This is Paul advocating a sort of volitional amnesia. Uh, this is permission from God to say, okay, all that stuff in the past, you can forget it. All, all of it back there. Forget it. For example, we've got to forget our past successes. Note who's speaking here. This is the great apostle Paul. Now, if, if, if you're not a, a student of the Christian movement, of Christian history, uh, having been a student of the New Testament, let me just clue you in on something. The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest minds that have ever lived. It's been 2,000 years since he wrote the 13 books of the New Testament. And 2,000 years later, scholars and average followers of Jesus, students of the Bible alike, hang on, study every word, every syllable, that he wrote in these 13 epistles 2,000 years ago. Incredible brilliance, unbelievable passion, perhaps the most zealous man who's ever lived. Some people speculate that he's the greatest man who's ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. 
Another accomplishment is he founded most of the churches in, in Asia Minor. He took three missionary journeys, expanding his terrain each time, all to the known world, the Greek world. We are here today in America as descendants of those, those civilizations in Asia Minor, for the most part, and we know Jesus today. The Christian faith has permeated our culture because of the work that was founded by the Apostle Paul. Amazing accomplishments in life. And so here he is, the most, the most amazing person, perhaps who's ever lived, save Jesus, and he says, now in the twilight of his life, in the last years of his life, he said, I'm not there yet. I haven't apprehended the spiritual quality of life I want for myself. I'm gonna have to keep striving for it. I know, I know that what I've written is gonna influence the world forever. In fact, eternity will reverberate with the words that the Spirit of God inspired me to write. I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm unique. I mean, I get that. I'm special, I know that. But pff, I haven't arrived. I'm not there. He didn't rest on his past success. He focused on what was ahead. And we should never rest on our laurels either. So we've got to forget our past successes. And equally, we need to forget, flip the coin over, we have to forget our past mistakes. Now, most of you will not remember what I have said this morning by three o'clock this afternoon. You just, I won't remember a lot of what I said this afternoon. This next quote, I hope you'll hang on to. You may not remember anything about this sermon, as good as it is. <laughs> shame, shame. But you might remember this. So hang on. This is from Ruth Bell Graham. This is Dr. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth. And this is her quote. Look at it. Every cat knows some things need to be buried. <laughs> That's right. You, it dawned on you. What? Yeah. It, that's exactly what she meant. Every cat knows some things need to be buried. <laughs> kind of surprised you, didn't you? Kind of caught you off guard there. You weren't expecting that. Well, hang around a while. You'll get used to these sorts of things. <laughs> Listen, there's all kinds of stuff in our past that needs to be buried. Right? Nod your head like, yeah, I know. I got stuff. It needs to be put, put away. For example, guilt is remembering a sin that's already been covered by the blood of Jesus. Think about it this way. Bitterness is our tendency to remember an offense that should be buried by grace. The grace of God has covered that. Discouragement is letting the last setback in your life become a roadblock to your future. But there's no reason for that. The human brain tends to want to relive and rehash all these wounds and offenses. We know that's true. But God is giving us permission here to forget these things. If you know Christ as Savior, there is absolutely no reason in the world to obsess over past failures. Let that soak in. That's, that's not just preacher talk. That's the truth. There's no reason to live in your past in ways that prohibit you, obstruct you from God's wonderful future for, for you. No reason. 
You might remember that the Apostle Paul, who originally was Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, he had a wicked past. Let me remind you, he cruelly persecuted Christians. He called himself the chief persecutor. He attacked the church. He, he described himself as the one who was opposed the church, the early church. And he was there. He was physically present and had some authority when... Stephen, who became the first Christian martyr, who was stoned to death in, the, in Paul's presence before he was a Christian, and, and Paul c- helped condemn S- Stephen. So he had all of this baggage, all of this past, all of these failures. And here's what happens. Many of God's people get stranded in the past. I'm talking to people like that right now. You are stuck from moving forward because of mistakes you've made in the past. It's hard to let go of those moments of failure, of sin, of embarrassment, of tragedy. So don't let the past destroy your future. Now, don't misunderstand. God understands those failures. He acknowledges those failures, those sins, those embarrassing moments, and he chooses to extend his love to you and his mercy and his grace. He chooses to forgive So here's here's what I want you to consider. Don't underestimate the grace of God. Don't undervalue the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. Take it seriously. Weigh it carefully. Remember, he has promised to take all of our sins and bury them in the sea of forgetfulness. Beth and I, my wife, was just talking about this recently, contemplating people that we know who have already passed on and gone to heaven and we were imagining that experience and and we've we've concluded occasionally you know you'll hear a story of someone who's passed and and you know enough about them because they're public enough that you know a little bit about their life and their 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 history and that sort of thing and you may hear someone comment that well I'm just you know they're in a better place now and you know their life and you just go well I, I I hope they are and, and that judgment is not our role, is it? That's not our job. And so you hope for the best, but you wonder sometimes whether they're in a better place. Well, you know, hope so. Here's, a, here's what I think. I think the first thing I'm going to say when I get to heaven is I'm going to say, what is a person like me doing in a place like this? I suspect that people who gain interest into heaven, and there's only one way you get to heaven, And that's by being forgiven of your past. You see, good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. The reason good people don't go to heaven is because, as it turns out, nobody's good. Nobody's good enough, no matter how hard you try. And that's why God saw the need to offer his very own son in order to satisfy the penalty of his wrath. And so when we get to heaven, I think the first moment is, wow, how could a person like me get in a place like this? And then the next impulse, I'm just, I'm anticipating this, is going to be thanksgiving. Praise God. Wow. Wow, God. And the experience of eternal life is is going to be motivated by and, and, and made glorified by the understanding of the depth and the power and the significance of God's grace, the power of the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins 
and to take them away from us. And so God's invitation to us is to do the same thing with our sin that he has done. Bury them in the sea of forgetfulness and remember them no more and forget what lies behind and press forward to what lies ahead because God's grace is amazing. I think there's a hymn that we'll sing in heaven. The hymn goes like this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far, how deep, how severe your past. The grace of God is sufficient. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And what's so amazing about God's love and mercy and tenderness toward us is that he is willing to extend that grace, that unmerited favor toward us by forgiving us of our sins. The prophet said, though your sins be scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. And one day in eternity, when we stand there together, filled with thanksgiving and worship, this truth will come to bear, that God's grace is sufficient and amazing. And Paul's admonition to forget what lies behind was really based in the truth of God's amazing love. You can move forward with enormous focus without the baggage of your past because of the amazing love and grace of God. That's where an amen goes in the sermon. Praise God for his amazing grace. Let your past go because the old has passed away and behold, all things become new. Amen, amen. So focus on your purpose Focus on God's best plan. And then number three, focus on God's plan for your life. Verse 13, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul's Paul's reminder to us is that God's purpose for us is all the same, to be conformed to the image of Christ. God's plans, though, for each of us are unique, and we have to reach forward to fulfill them. So you'll have to follow Jesus now forward into unknown territory. In order to move forward with focus, you have to do so by faith. God doesn't doesn't call us to circle back and retrace our steps and circle back again and retrace our steps. This is a cycle many people get in. (laughs) Circle back because you can't let go of the past, so you circle back, retrace your steps, and you get in this chronic dysfunctional cycle, and you never move forward. And God says, let that go. Let the past go. I've let it go. You let it go. I've stopped judging you. You stopped judging you. Give yourself a break. Paul did. The apostle Paul did. 
He's a murderer. He's a conspirator. He's a persecutor. He's a, he's a bad man. He's wicked. He's a horrible guy. And now, now we see him as he's written two-thirds of the New Testament. If God can do it with a guy like that, he can do it for you. And so recognize his plan. Look at Psalm 37, verse 23. I'll put it on the screen. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So this is the promise that God has a, has a hopeful future for you. And if you'll take the steps of faith, he has, he has ordered your steps. You're, you're a follower of Jesus, and so he has gone before you, making a way for you, preparing a path for you. And so by faith, you take steps and you move forward. We move forward together. We move forward as individuals. Sometimes, sometimes life has damaged us and wounded us. That's why the church is so vitally important, why God has ordered it in the world. Because sometimes, sometimes we've been damaged and wounded, and we, can't, we just can't get up and move forward by ourselves. And so we, we surround one another, and we pick one another up, and we walk together, and we move forward. That's the mandate of God. Look at Psalm 139. You saw me before I was born, scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Isn't that astonishing? See, God knows every one of our days, and he's, he has a, a great plan for us, and he doesn't want to get stuck in yesterday or bogged down today. He wants us moving forward into a hopeful tomorrow. This is good preaching. I'm encouraging myself. I don't know. If you're getting anything out of this, this is helpful to me. Focus on God's plan. Now, here's the fourth thing, this fourth principle that God reveals through the apostle. Focus on God's prize. Verse 13, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he talks about a goal. He talks about a prize. And these are one and the same thing for Paul. To hear the word of commendation at the end of his life. Well done, well done, thou good and faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful. That's all he was after. Just want to get there and hear Jesus say, nicely done, nicely done. Now, I have an athletic background, and for me, this is, this is a, a, simple, a simple little fantasy of mine. Uh, in my athletic career, you know, if I had a good game uh, I'd come off the court or come off the field. And the, if the coach was there, maybe, you know, at the door of the locker room, he'd come in, come in the locker room, and he just reaches over and, you know, pats me on the back and just says, good game, nice job, something like that. That's all I need. That's all I need. That's enough for me. You, you say that to me, and I'll go. I'll go I'll go strong. So, you know, this is kind of corny. You women wouldn't want to think this way, but for me, if I step into, into the eternal kingdom someday and Jesus is there and he just smacks me on the behind, <laughs> says, well done. That's what I'm looking forward to right there. <laughs> yeah, that's all it'll take. For you women, maybe a pat on the hand or something like that. <laughs> So Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Can you feel the passion from this guy? Forgetting this one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind, pressing forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Man, that's who writes that stuff? That's amazing. That is so strong, so passionate, so powerful. I love that stuff. Psalm 27, verse 4, David said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Here's a guy who figured out his one thing, which was to worship God, a man after God's own heart, a writer of psalms and a, and a, and a writer of hymns, and expressing his praise to God. This one thing he said, I want, to dwell in the house of the Lord all my days and to behold the beauty of the Lord. Isn't that great? Love that stuff. Mark chapter 10, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, he said, here's your one thing, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. So come and take up your cross and follow me. Here was an invitation for the one thing and the purpose of this young ruler's life, and he chose something else and went away sad. A man healed by Jesus in John chapter 9, he concludes by saying this because he was healed of his blindness and everyone was attacking him. Everyone was questioning him. What, what do you mean you were blind and now I can see? You're a sinner or your parents were sinners or somebody in your family tree have incurred the judgment of God. This is why you were blind to start with and all these accusations and all of this attack against this guy. And this guy finally just said, look, I don't know anything about all the theology of that. He said, this one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. And now he's got purpose for the rest of his life. He moves forward from that day with focus because he knows his mission. He knows his purpose. He knows God's plans. I'm, I'm to report to anyone who inquires what happened to me. Once I was blind, but now I see. Now I see. Isn't that good? That's it. So my admonition to you today is very simple. Leave the past behind you and focus on what is ahead because God does have purpose and plan for you, every last one of you. And if you'll embrace that purpose by faith, God has promised to order your steps and go before you so you be encouraged and you trust him in a focused future. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pause and pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for this wonderful expression by the Apostle Paul. So help us to focus on this one thing. And like Paul, help us to be focused on Christ, focused on God's divine purpose, your purpose, your plan for our lives. May we be focused on Jesus, committed to our passion, focused on your purpose, your perspective, your plan, and ultimately your prize. So we pray, guide us onward and forward in our journey. And as we do these things step by step, day by day, we will find our one thing and move forward with focus. Lord, increase our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said, would you stand with us?